0: This opportunity, just opportunity to gather together as believers and uh, worship you and study your word and be with Pastor Jesse and to tonight and um, study your word and through pray, amen. amen. All right. If you have not gotten one yet or you forgot to bring one tonight, we've got Bibles on the back table there. Mr. Corey's got some he can hand you. If you like to take notes and you forgot your notebook, we've got notebooks back there. You can take one of those and have one of those so that you can kind of keep up with what's going on tonight. So as we talked about already, what's our theme for the week? Freedom. Free- let's try that again. What's our theme for the week? Freedom. freedom. Absolutely right. That is something I think everyone in this room loves to have. How many of you like freedom? Show of hands. How many of you enjoy freedom? What's that? God bless the USA. God bless the USA. Okay. Well, let's, let's look at it this way. How many of you love the freedom that summer brings? couple of you? What's that? (laughs) It doesn't matter for you, does it? Okay, well, that's okay. How many of you, how about this one? How many of you that just graduated love the freedom that graduation brings? Like Two of you, okay. The rest of you, you're ready to go back to school. I see three of you maybe, okay. How about this? Those of you that can drive, how many of you love the freedom that driving brings? Okay, you can go wherever you want. Maybe not whenever you want, but you can still go. Or how about this? Hi. Hey. Everybody say hi, Mr. Corey. Hi, hi Mr. Corey. <laughs> He's making sure everybody's got something to write with. Or hey, hey guys, how many of you, when you went from elementary school to middle school, you thought you got a ton of freedom by going to a bigger school? A nope. couple of you. How many of you elementary or middle school to high school thought, man, I got a whole lot more freedom in high school? Not, like one of you? That's it? Man, OK. Okay, so it changes from ninth grade to twelfth grade. Okay, so those of you who are freshmen are going into ninth grade. There's hope. You will have more freedom as you get older. Or I—I I got one more. How about the freedom you get when you go on vacation? Yeah. Does anybody like that? All right, there's a, there's a couple. Miss <laughs> Marlin said yes, absolutely. Here's the thing, guys. Hey, no matter what it is for you, there's something in your life that, that you want freedom from. There, there's some area in your life that, hey, if I could stop doing this, or hey, I could start doing this, you would experience freedom, and that freedom would be a thing that excites you, because down deep, every one of us, every single person wants to experience freedom. We all do. I mean, it, just think about what's happening in three weeks. Do y'all know what we're going to celebrate in three weeks? From tomorrow, not snowbird. That Snowbird's way sooner than three weeks. What'd you say, Rachel? Fourth of July. Okay, what are we celebrating on 4th of July? Independence. Our independence, right? Our freedom, right? We don't have a king anymore. We get to determine, hey guys, as a nation, we get to determine our direction. We get to determine our destiny. And here's the thing. When we celebrate our freedom as a nation, you know, once we get past the fireworks and the hamburgers and the hot dogs and the sunburns and all of that stuff, they come along with 4th of July hey, here's what we're really celebrating. Listen, we're celebrating our freedom, but it breaks down. We're celebrating who we've been freed by, the people that came before us, the people who were willing to take a stand to make this country free. We're celebrating what we were freed from, and we're celebrating what we were freed to. Those are three different things. You may not think about it that way when you celebrate the 4th of July, but when it comes to our country as as citizens of the United States, that's what we celebrate. And those are important things because those are things that we have to remember where we've come from, where we are now, where we're going. Those things help us to be able to move forward as a country and as U.S. citizens. But as much as we love our freedom as U.S. citizens, if you're sitting here tonight And you say you're a disciple of Jesus, you've put your faith and trust in him, you've been forgiven of your sin by what Jesus did on the cross, you have a much more important freedom to celebrate than the one you're going to have fun with in the next three weeks, and it's your freedom in Christ. And that's where this verse comes from, Galatians 5, 1, that's going to be on these t-shirts, which, by the way, Thursday night before you go home, everybody's going to get one of these t-shirts, so you will get to walk away this week with one of them, but not yet. But that's what that verse is. In fact, let me read that verse. Galatians 5.1, it says this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. In that one verse, those three things we celebrate as, as American citizens when we talk about our freedom, those three things show up right here in this same verse. The first one is this. We see who we are freed by. It says we're freed by Jesus for freedom. Christ has set us free. We see what we are freed from. It says right there at the end of the verse, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We are free from sin and slavery to that sin. And then it shows what we are freed to. It says stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. We are freed to stand firm in Jesus. That's what that freedom is talking about right there. And we're going to talk about all three of those things this week. Each night, we're going to hit a different part of that. So tonight, we're going to start with this idea of who we are freed by. And if you guys have been here for any length of time, you know me, you know I love the Old Testament. So we're going to look at an account from the Old Testament that shows a clear picture of how God used a man to free his people. So if you've got your Bibles or your tablets or your your phones or whatever you're using, Exodus chapter 12 is where we're going to be tonight. We're going all the way back to the second book of the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, let me give you some background of what's going on. Here we find the nation of Israel. Now, if you're not familiar with the nation of Israel, that's God's people. That, that's the nation that God said, Hey, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. You're going to follow me, and I'm going to take care of you. We find the nation of Israel in Exodus chapter 12, and they're in slavery. They've been enslaved to the Egyptians. What has happened is there was a time before this that the Israelites, the nation of Israel, they were free. They weren't slaves, they weren't in slavery to any other country like that. But now, because of this guy named Joseph, some of you guys have heard of Joseph in the Old Testament before. Because of some things that go down with Joseph and his brothers, in fact, if you want to know what happens there, Joseph was the youngest son of all his brothers until his youngest brother was born. But his brothers were jealous of him because he was kind of like dad's favorite. And, and, and he kind of got himself in trouble with his brothers. And his brother said, you know what? Hey, we're going to kill him and we're going to tell dad that an animal got him, and we're not going to have to worry about Joseph anymore. But then they got this other idea. They had thrown him in a hole, waiting to come back and kill him. And all of a sudden, these slave traders come along, and the brothers say, hey, you know what? Let's not kill him. Let's not let his blood be on our hands. Let's sell him into slavery. So that's what they do. And Joseph, through a series of events, ends up in Egypt, And God works in and through his circumstances. He's in a high position of power, and then he's back in jail. And by the time all is said and done, he's second in command in Egypt, only under Pharaoh. And God uses Joseph's situation. God uses Joseph to prepare the nation of Egypt to get ready because there's a famine coming. And because Joseph is the one that God's got in place, he's able to go through and he's able to equip and, and make the nation ready to be able to withstand that famine. So they store up food, they get ready for years. And by the time that famine hits, they've got everything that they need. In fact, they've got so much that they can take care of other nations as well. And people start coming to Egypt. And through all of this, Joseph's family, who needs food, comes to Egypt. And the Israelites move to Egypt and they stay there. And as a people, they settle there and they begin to grow. And scripture tells us that over time, their numbers get bigger and bigger and bigger until there comes a point in time where the Egyptians say, hey, wait a minute, they could take us over if they wanted to. We've got to do something about these Israelites. So they put them into slavery. They make them work. They make them toil. They make them suffer. They make them their slaves for all of the things that the Egyptians don't want to do or they think is too hard to do or they just shouldn't have to do. And that's where we're picking up in Exodus chapter 12. In fact, if you go back, and we want, I won't make you turn there, but if you go back to Exodus chapter 1, listen to this. It says, Now there arose a king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So the Israelites are there, they're flourishing, they're doing well, they're growing as a people group, but then we've got another king, another pharaoh that steps into place, and he didn't know who Joseph was. He didn't know the backstory. He didn't know that Joseph was actually an Israelite who ended up in Egypt. And listen to what happens. It says, and he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us, "'Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, "'lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, "'they join our enemies and fight against us "'and escape from the land.'" So they're scared. And in verse 11, "'Therefore they set taskmasters over them "'to afflict them with heavy burdens. "'They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. "'But the more they were oppressed, "'the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad, "'and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel.'" So, they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. So, now they're in this country and they're there for a long time. We're going to see that in just a minute. And they don't have any options, they don't have freedom, they don't have choices. They don't get to do some of the things that we get to do because we know what freedom looks like. In fact, it tells us right here that over time, as you read through, and you can continue reading this story, it goes all the way from Exodus 1 all the way to Exodus 12, but as you read through this, what happens is they become accustomed to this life of bondage. It's what they're used to. Scripture doesn't really tell us. We we see a couple different places where, where we see this idea of freedom and this idea of breaking away from this slavery, but as a people, this is their life. It's not that they didn't want freedom, but this is what they knew, and they didn't see a way of escape. They could not free themselves, but God had a different plan. God raised up a man named Moses. Moses wasn't perfect by any means, Moses made mistakes. In fact, Moses ran away from Egypt because he had killed somebody else, but God sent him back to Egypt. Ironic part, Moses was an Israelite raised in Pharaoh's own home, and God used him, and God sent Moses, and through miracles and through plagues, God used Moses to deliver his people to speak for them, to fight for them, so that they could be freed from that slavery, And then God leads them using Moses out into the desert and God helps them experience that freedom. But I want you to see in Exodus chapter 12, and that's where I hope you've got your Bibles turned, when they finally see what that freedom is gonna look like in their lives. Listen to this, Exodus 12, verse 33. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, we shall all be dead. So God has done some incredible stuff. God has sent plagues. God has It got all the way to where Pharaoh wouldn't let the Israelites go. And God sent this, this angel of death over the nation of Egypt. And every household, and this was the Israelites, they had taken the blood of a lamb. They had painted their doorposts. This is why in Scripture it's called the Passover. The angel of death passed over those houses that had been painted with that blood of a lamb. And the firstborn child in that house lived. But for all the Egyptian households, they didn't know to paint that blood. So in every one of those homes, that firstborn child died. And it was that thing that finally convinced Pharaoh, hey, let the Israelites go. In fact, they're scared that they're all going to die. And it goes on here. It says in verse 34. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Don't miss what's happening there. God made it possible for the Israelites to say, hey, Egyptians, we need your gold. We need your jewelry because we're leaving and we want to take your your expensive and precious stuff with us. And God gave them favor and the Egyptians said, sure. It's like somebody walking into your house and saying, hey, give me all your money. And, And God gives them favor. This is crazy to even think about. And they say, oh, by the way, hey, can I have every piece of jewelry in your house too? And you go, yeah, here you go go see what you can get for it. We wouldn't willingly do that, would we? This is an entire nation that's being plundered by Israel because, get this, God is preparing them for where he's sending them. And he's equipping them for where he's sending them. That's what's happening here. And then it goes on. It says, and the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. 430 years. Think about that. Many of you have lived in the same house your entire life and most of you are way not even close to 18 years old yet they had been there for 430 years and all of a sudden it's like get your stuff we're leaving God was doing something amazing in his people here and God had chosen this man named Moses to lead his people out of Egypt to lead them out of slavery to lead them to Freedom and he took care of them on the way. But think about this the Israelites they could not do anything to free themselves. It took God acting on their behalf, using man named Moses to step in and fight for them. God is the one that freed them. That is who they were freed by when they were in um, slavery here. Moses stepped in, Moses spoke for them, Moses brought them out of Egypt when they could not do anything for themselves. That's an unbelievable picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And you can see that over and over as you read through the Old Testament. You can see pictures, you can see illustrations, you can see accounts that mirror what Jesus Christ has done. In the Old Testament, God freed his people using Moses. They were freed by God. Make no mistake there. He simply used Moses to do it. In the New Testament, we see that anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is freed by Jesus because that's who God sent to pay the penalty for our sin because that's what scripture tells us. Every single person in this room, you either have been in the situation that the Israelites were in or you're in that situation right now. You're in slavery. But scripture tells us we're in slavery to our own sin. We're trapped by it. We're enslaved to it. We're in bondage to it. We are helpless to get away from our own sin. We have no hope on our own. Now, don't get me wrong. We try. When we mess up, when we do something wrong, we say something wrong. God, I will never say that again. God, I'm never going to have those thoughts again. God, I'm never going to act that way again. I'm never going to go there again. I'm never going to watch that again. I'm never going to listen to that again. God, I will never do it again. And as good as we try to be and as hard as we try to be to hold true on those promises, we find ourselves right back in that same place over and over. Or we find ourselves in a different place still pursuing our own sin. Because we are helpless to save ourselves. We are helpless to free ourselves on our own effort. And that is why God, much like in the situation of the Israelites, for each one of us, God has had to step in and fight for us. And that's where Jesus comes in. Jesus paid a penalty that he didn't owe to give us something that we couldn't earn. Scripture tells us that. I don't want to tell you my words. I want to tell you what scripture says. It says right here in Romans 3:23, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." I even see some of you mouthing that verse. All have sinned. All. It doesn't mean your neighbor. It doesn't mean that kid who sits next to you in class and you just wish they just wouldn't show up the next day cuz they're so annoying. It means all. It means your parents, your grandparents, your brothers, your sisters, everyone in your family, everyone you love, everyone you've never met, every single person in this room, for all have sinned, all of us, and there's nothing we can do about it. We've already talked about it. I asked this and I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when, when I talk to little kids about baptism and we talk about trying to make sure they understand you know, why they want to get baptized. We start with talking about sin and I ask them, has there ever been a day where you said, you know what, I'm going to be good today. I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to hit my brother or sister. I'm not going to do anything wrong. And do you get to the end of the day successful? No, some of y'all are shaking your head no right now because it's not possible because no matter how hard we try we can't escape our own sin nature for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God because we are all trapped in our own sin and Romans 6.23 tells us this it says for the wages of sin is death is death now don't get me wrong we're all going to die one day physically it's going to happen Lord willing, for every single person in this room, that is a long, long, long way off. But that's not just a physical death. That's a spiritual death. That's separation from God forever. And, and let me tell you right now, if, if you are enslaved in your own sin right now and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you, you've never put your faith and trust in him, you're already spiritually dead. You're born that way because you're born trapped in your own sin. But Scripture tells us that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the rest of that verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life, the free gift of God, something you can't earn. It's it's like when your parents buy you Christmas presents. You don't earn those presents, do you? No, they buy them for you because they love you. They buy them for you because they want to see you smile. They want to make you happy. Maybe they give you a lawnmower. They want you to work. I don't know, whatever the reason may be. But at the end of it all, it's because they love you. You don't earn those gifts. You don't deserve those gifts. And that pales in comparison to what God has done. Scripture tells us he sent his one and only son. I love every one of you. I have three children. I'm not giving them up for any of you. Sorry. God sent his one and only son, his one and only son, to lay down his life on a cross, to take a punishment that Scripture says right there, we owed I can't fix me and you can't fix you when it comes to sin because none of us can free ourselves from the slavery that we're in. It is only the love and mercy and grace of God sending his son Jesus to die on a cross, paying the debt that you and I cannot pay. That is the only hope we will ever have to be freed from the bondage of our own sin and be freed by Jesus Christ. The Israelites, they were trapped with no hope, but God made a way where there was no way. They couldn't have done that on their own. The things that God did, the Israelites could not have done that on their own. The plagues that God sent, the Israelites could not have done that on their own parting a red sea and walking out of Egypt and then watching the sea come back down on the Egyptians as they're chasing them. The Israelites could not have done that on their own. Following God through the desert with a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. I'm not making this stuff up. Go back and read it in Exodus. They could not have done any of that on their own. It took God Acting on their behalf and going before them in order to make a way for them to be where God wanted them to be. You and I, we have no hope on our own. But where there was no way, God made a way. He sent Jesus who laid down his life on the cross, that painful, excruciating, humiliating way to die. If you're not familiar with that, and I won't get into all the details, but I've got in my office a couple of railroad spikes, and they're about that long and about half an inch thick, square. And when we look at scripture, maybe they weren't quite that thick, but they were probably that long because they had to go through his wrist and hold him to a piece of wood. And it went through his feet to hold him to a piece of wood. And before all of that happened, he was beaten within an inch of his life. So when they hang him on that cross, if you're not familiar with crucifixion and how it works, they put your arms above you. So after a while, as your body starts to sag, it's hard to breathe. So you have to push and pull yourself up to get a breath. Well, imagine how that feels when you're doing that on nails. So after a while, that becomes so painful that you can't do that. And you begin to suffocate, you begin to drown because your own bodily fluids begin to fill your lungs and now you are either drowning on dry land or you're suffering excruciating pain just to get a breath. That's what Jesus experienced for us. Unbelievable pain, unbelievable humiliation so that God can make a way for us so that we could experience the freedom that he offers us through what Jesus did because scripture tells us that's the penalty that was owed for our sin your sin my sin that's what scripture required but then listen to Romans 10:9 it says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is lord And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're here tonight and this freedom that we've got on t shirts, this freedom that we're talking about that that God offers through his son Jesus Christ, if you're here tonight and you've never been freed by Jesus, you've never been freed from the consequences of your own sin. And you may think, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I'm not a bad person. Yes, you are. Because we all are. And there's nothing we can do to fix it. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive you of your sin, you can do that tonight. That verse right there, Romans ten nine. if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You need to start by admitting that you're a sinner because you are because we all are, and that's hard to admit. We don't like to admit that we can't do something. I don't like to admit, if I have something in front of me and I'm supposed to do it, I don't like to admit defeat. I wanna do it, I wanna try and try and try again until I accomplish it, but no matter how hard we try, we can't free ourselves from the consequences of our own sin. We can try to be good, we can give money, we can sing the songs, we can go to church, we can help little little ladies across the street and not kick dogs, all of those things, we can try to be good. But we will fail over and over. Admit that you're a sinner and that you can't fix it. Believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins because he did. Now, I understand it's hard to believe something when you're not sure if it's true. Well, then I challenge you to do this. If you're not sure about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, pick up this book or a copy of your own and start reading it. Start in the book of John and see who Jesus is and see what Jesus did. And it'll be real easy for you to believe it's true because it's right there in black and white. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins because he did. Believe that one day he's coming back for his people, the ones who have put their faith and trust in him and confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. That means you accept what he has given you. You know that he has given his life so that you could be freed by him and confess, Jesus, you're in charge. My future, my now, everything I'm trying to plan, what I want to do, what I want to be, Jesus, you're in charge. And I'm gonna follow you with the rest of my life. When you do that, Scripture tells us in that moment, you're freed by Jesus Christ. You experience the freedom that Galatians 5.1 is talking about. And you can do that right here, right now, tonight. You can experience that freedom sitting right where you are that is unlike any freedom you have ever known. I promise you it's way better than any freedom you could ever experience as a member of the United States of America It's freedom in Christ. You can be freed by Jesus for once and for all. And if you're ready to do that tonight, you can talk to God right now. There are no special words. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus did what he said he did. Confess him as Lord of your life. Scripture says you are forgiven. Use your own words. There's no magic words. But if you're here tonight and you've never done that, and I don't mean, hey, you, you did it because all your friends were doing it when you were younger and you thought it'd be really cool to get that Bible when you got baptized, so you went down and said you made that decision and yet your life has not reflected anything about a life following Christ from that moment till now, maybe it's time to ask God to forgive you of your sin, to be freed by Jesus Christ and experience the freedom that he offers and only he can offer. And if you do that tonight, if you decide to do that, we would love to celebrate that with you. In just a minute, we're going to get up and we're going to sing a couple more songs before we go outside and we have fun. But as we do that, I want to encourage you, come talk to me, come talk to one of the other adults in the room. Let us pray with you. Let us pray for you. Let us celebrate the freedom that you have in your life. If you're here tonight and you know you've made that decision, you know you've been freed by Jesus and you know what that freedom feels like because you've been living in it day in and day out, then I want to challenge you, take a moment and thank God for that. Thank Him for what He's done in your life. Thank Him for what He's doing in your life. Thank Him now for what He's going to do even though you have no idea what it looks like yet. Keep following Him. Keep Him at the forefront of everything that you do and you will experience that freedom every single moment of every single day let's pray god we thank you we thank you for who you are and we thank you for your son jesus god we thank you that we can look at passages like this in the old testament and see god we can see your love for your people And we thank you that when we look at the New Testament, God, we also see your love for your people. God, I pray for every single person in this room tonight. For those that know you, God, for those who have already asked for your forgiveness and have experienced the freedom that you promise in your word, God, I pray that you will continue to help them to faithfully follow you every single moment of every day. And God, for those who don't know you yet, for those who are still trapped in their own sin, as Galatians 5, 1 calls it, that yoke of slavery. God, I pray that you help them experience your freedom right now. Help them to have the courage and the boldness to put their faith and trust in you, to step into something that is so unknown and show them how faithful you are. God, thank you for who you are and thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.